0: You're listening to Were You Still Talking? Ah, So, welcome back to the podcast. Today in my studio, I have Jeff Johnston. He is my biggest guest to date. (laughs) He is nearly 6'6", and probably a little over 200 pounds, yes? A little, yeah. (laughs) A little. And Jeff is an executive producer on... uh, the
1: most popular. All- yes. Okay. No. Well, technically, uh, the executive producer is Joe Moniz. Uh, I am the so I am the host of the show, and I'm an associate. Uh, uh, I'm an associate producer and uh, host.
0: Oh, okay. Associate producer and host. I thought I saw executive producer on the oh, website. Oh, I was okay. just going by oh. what I saw up there. So, uh, good uh, enough of the introduction. I'll just get right okay. into it. Okay. <laughs> so. The, um, it, rolling on TV, that's what we're talking about. I hadn't got to that mm-hmm. yet. Uh, Jeff is the, uh, host and co-executive producer. So, just a so, so, I'm an associate, associate producer. Associate producer. And that was my big question. How do you do the show
1: without a producer? Well, that's you, Joe. Joe is the executive, executive
0: producer. producer.
1: Um, you got, by, by producer, you mean uh, the guy who would be with me when I'm in the field who make sure that everything yeah, happens? I have no
0: idea. Uh, the, well, You know, I see executive producer and producer. and it, He could have called himself a producer, right?
1: Well, yeah. He, he, um, we, we have very distinctly defined jobs we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joe handles the uh, uh, calling the stations and getting our distribution going and working with advertisers and such. I mainly am responsible for content. I, oh, okay. I, I film segments, mm-hmm. I edit them, send them off to our editor who's in South Bend, Indiana, and uh, Joe is back near in a little town called Mattapoisett, just south of Boston, near Cape Cod, and uh, so we're all spread all over the place. But it's a very small crew. Uh, I do a lot of uh, things by myself. I mean, you know, one man band type shooting, and uh, so it's it's. Once in a while, Joe and I are together at a big trade show or something, and then we have a producer on hand who can say, don't forget to do this. Otherwise, it's just me trying to not forget.
0: Okay, so it, that's what I wondered. That was one of my first questions, is um, uh, almost all of the stuff is really just yourself. Like yeah. yeah, you don't have an assistant, or you well, sometimes have an assistant. Yeah,
1: I have an assistant. You know, have an assistant uh, Marv Leek helps me shoot. On mm-hmm. this a lot. He does a lot of the shooting, and of course, he's had a lot of experience. So he can look at me and say, "Your collar is turned under," or whatever, or get the energy up. You know, try and try and act like you're not half asleep. Uh-huh, and uh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's uh, always helpful. Well, I, well, it's well, nice yeah. I mean, it's helpful to have someone say that. Well, because, I, I get yeah, do du- I, du- I get dueling advice on this. Because uh, uh, some of the young people in my family say, Uncle Jeff, it would really help if you would take a couple of shots of espresso before you start talking on camera to, to, to get energy up. Okay. And the other one says, Uncle Jeff, maybe if you had a couple of shots of whiskey, you could kind of relax and be a little more easy. So I'm trying to figure out how to get my dueling nerve endings going on. That.
0: Well, I think that's the answer. You have a couple of shots of espresso and then a couple of shots of whiskey. No, okay. And maybe you'll be right. Right, right in the right right in the, spot. Spot. In the middle yeah you've right. to make yeah if you have to make sure it's the right brand of whiskey well, though you, and then you've got another sponsor yeah or two well hey. i I've,
1: I've, I've never planned on being on camera this is strictly accidental oh interesting uh, as, as opposed to the other things that i enjoy doing on film production i mean the lighting and grip work and camera of course and even the editing it's all great fun mm-hmm. but being in front of the camera was never on that list so this was strictly accidental uh, when I first got involved in the show, um, my and I heard Joe was going to be doing it. I uh, I contacted him and thought maybe I could um, write, uh, you know, write content for the host and help dis- guide content for different subject matters on a given show, so you have a good mix of editorial and destinations and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I wound up doing a couple of stand-up segments uh, uh, at a trade show, and one thing leads to another, and Here I am. So I I wind up being the face of the show, whether people like it or not. Whether you like it or not. No, you're a good face
0: to have on there. And it's so interesting because... um, you, it's kind of unique, I think. You want to do the really hard work instead of the easy part about being a host. Because uh, and, and now you're combining it, so you're doing all the work. But if you're just the host, that's the easy job. Uh, doing well, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, that's, that's work. That's that, what that, people right. tell me is,
1: that oh, why do they pay actors so much? They're just standing and talking. Exactly. No, they're not. They have all this experience and training. I am... Um, I am really envious of the people who get up there on the shows that, that do, you know, get on camera and make it look natural and smooth every day, every time. Uh, and that's, that, that has given me a whole new respect for that part of the business, especially since I have to do that now. And I get up there and hope I can get all the way through something without stumbling or being an idiot, you know.
0: So. That actually, that's always amazed me. Uh, television hosts, who I sometimes not not really actors, because I've seen them try and act before, and sometimes mm-hmm. they're not very good. But they're awfully good at their job. I mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing that, like you say. Not only are they doing it every day, but they are live. It's like they they make a mistake. It, yeah. Nowadays, it's on YouTube everywhere. And they, they may have
1: know. they may have that teleprompter out there, but even mm-hmm. reading from the teleprompter. Uh, it takes something to make you not look like you're reading from a teleprompter.
0: True, uh, and, it, I mean, and it's a skill in itself because yeah. not only do you have to—is it good if you don't look like you're reading from a teleprompter, but it's also good if you can. You have to really be good at reading because you got to well, read. You know, you got to get ahead of that thing and just
1: the, the good thing is and now, pronounce
0: words and things. Like
1: the, well, that. <laughs> yeah, the good thing now is that we have these gigantic fifty-five-inch televisions, right? So um, when they have the little teleprompter that's a 13-inch screen that's on the camera that's, you know, 10, 12 feet away from you and you're reading that, they can also have it on this 55-inch television right next to it. So, so oh, the, right. the, the giant it's words easier. are going by there. And as I get older, I'm appreciating that sort of aid from my eyes. Uh, oh, yeah. More.
0: Yeah, and I've always been – occasionally they show too much on like the Today Show or something, and you see that every word they're saying is from the teleprompter. Yeah. Every yeah. little casual. So back to you, and you know? How was your day yesterday? It was all on the teleprompter. Oh, they're not yeah. ad-libbing anything, and which is yeah, even more amazing in a way because yeah, makes them they...
1: look makes them look like they're really really good at this this casual chatter stuff. Right. And I uh, right. The only real teleprompter work I do is our annual um, RV of the Year show that mm-hmm. we do back in South Bend where. Um, uh, we look at the top five finishers based on a variety of judges, typically RV Business Magazine and us, go through and find the top five, and then we have a, a RV of the Year, and that's all done with a typical uh, multi-camera production in a studio in a, uh, a facility in in Elkhart, Indiana, at the RV Hall of Fame and, and Expo Hall, and uh, I I did that two years and uh that was reading off off a teleprompter along with a young lady who is a local uh television personality so she's on the news and she does uh reporting for the football games and such so she's really good at it she's kind of used to it uh yeah and i'm i'm the block of wood (laughs) and
0: (laughs) that's really yeah that's nerve-wracking i can't imagine
1: yeah you're just trying and the, and the, the, the director keeps coming over and saying jeff Relax a little, you know. Relax. I mean, a little, en- a little more energy, and 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 I'm reading this stuff on the teleprompter and trying to, you know, make it sound like good, normal, everyday, non-scripted stuff. And have and, they offered you uh, a shot of uh, coffee or a shot of whiskey? Because um, you know. Well, um, I, I may have a, job. <laughs> I may have a hip flask stashed in my camera bag most of the time, okay. so I, I'm I'm ready in You're case ready. it's needed. yeah. yeah.
0: This is uh yeah this is interesting and you um you've done this basically your whole career you've worked in um automotive magazines and and now an automotive uh yeah. show yeah this well I, been... I
1: i started accidentally writing for some of the four wheel drive magazines my first published article was november of 1979 i believe and uh uh, then my first staff job was October was uh, uh, February of 1982, and I remember that because my birthday is the end of February, and I was moving from Oregon down to Orange County, California, on my birthday, which is oh, you know, it was wow. a great way driving a jeep with a trailer behind it down I-5, down I- <laughs> 18 hours of you know white knuckle. Um, oh my God! But anyway, uh, yeah, that and that was the start of my automotive journalism career, mm-hmm. and for the first. X number of years, it was all writing for magazines, and then now it has transitioned to doing the same thing only uh, for a television show. So it's the same kind of content, but just uh, visual instead.
0: Instead, so you had lots of experience writing segments, and I mean, how how big a transition was it? And yeah, how big mm-hmm. a like difference was it to write for oh. for one for yourself eventually, and then mm-hmm. you know writing segments for the camera.
1: Well, not it wasn't bad except mm. that, um, uh, I mean, it wasn't that bad of a transition because for, um, you know, 20 some odd years, almost 30 years, I was writing stories for magazines that had a beginning and a middle and an end. And you had, uh, because of time constraints or space constraints in magazines, this is before the online era when you got room for everything. Oh, right, um, right. In a magazine, you have a certain number of column inches or a certain number of word counts. So you had to learn to write to that word count to keep it kind of tight. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what I do on the air. You know, you want to give all the information, but it's also entertainment. So you keep it, you know, you try to keep the verbiage to a minimum and make, let the pictures tell the story as much as possible. So it was a little shift in thinking, but uh, I seem to have pulled it off. I think it
0: looks like you have. Well, you know, it, I don't. I yeah. can't. I admit I don't watch the show every day. But I did some research, which is something I don't do for this show. Mm. But since uh, you had a lot of material to look at, <laughs> I decided I would do look at some stuff. And you know, it's very creative, which doesn't surprise me because I've seen you. I've seen your work on short film in the short film community in Eugene or the the film community in you uh, around Eugene and stuff, which is how I know you. Mm. Um, which is partly. Well, I wanted to have you on here because I think that the fact that you do that stuff, uh, as fun as it is for you, it's still um, work that you're doing for people on a volunteer basis and helping them uh, get started in film. So that's well, pretty awesome.
1: Well, it's yeah, a lot of it is volunteer. I mean, I I have helped out people, and then when I need something help on a on a project, uh, I can call on people. You know, mm-hmm. call in favors, so to speak. Right. Um, right. But uh, uh, I. I also, of course, do paid work for uh, audio for TV commercials or mm-hmm. lighting. Uh, I, I've been the lighting director for a couple of different independent uh, feature length films, that sort of thing. And uh, that's regular paid gigs. And uh, But but the volunteer stuff, you know, it's fun. I mean, at low pressure, because it's, you know, well, you're fired. Oh, yeah? Okay, whatever. Well,
0: I met you through yeah, doing a, a- a project that I assume you were getting paid for, and um, it was a big relief to see your face. You, uh-uh. you and your, uh, and um, oh, geez. you mean the, uh, the the eater, the, the, the science eater, fiction, the yes. eater. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that was a huge benefit when you guys came on on set and well, then.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> it uh, that that was an interesting project. As many of the it ones are. It was interesting.
0: It was, and then I showed up to another project that I was just on for the day. But I was so relieved to see you you well, there because I like, okay, well that's taken care of. Well, thank I, you. you. Know. That's yeah,
1: you know, that's a very flattering. Thank you. But well, it's it's that's one of the things with people in Portland that I've worked with uh, in the various levels of the professional film community up there. Um, they. And that's one of the fun things about working on a project in general is if you can get together with people that you know that, that you have worked with before, you don't have to go through that learning phase. You just, okay, he's here, he knows how to do these things, move on with something else. And that that's kind of nice to be dependent on like that.
0: It's great, yeah. And, it, yeah, it's extremely helpful. Or to be dependable, yeah. I guess. I to be dependable, yeah. yeah. Like I knew you would show mm-hmm. up uh, 10 to 15 minutes early and sure enough, mm-hmm. you were here, I was almost ready. So, <laughs> Well, it's close enough Not cl- like I got any appointments today <laughs> So, you're, oh, one of my questions was your crew You already answered that How long um, does it typically take to shoot a show? I think I read that you do Somewhere I read you do, what, 20 shows a well, season? Is well, right? we, have,
1: uh, we have a six-show schedule we mm-hmm. do six new shows and then six weeks of, of repeats and then six more. Oh, I see. Um, and we have uh, Joe works on uh, segments uh, back typically on the East Coast places. And, and then we also have uh, the company called Petavision that is a production company in South Bend, Indiana. Robin, uh, the one of the staff there, does our the, editing for the show. I mean, I edit my own segments, and I send him and then the material, and then he adds the official lower thirds credits and so on. Oh, okay. And, but uh, um, we, well, as far as how long it takes, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not responsible for all the content for each show, obviously. I, I mm-hmm. do my segments. I do my... You know, a 14-minute segment on a truck and trailer, for example, or product review, or I'll do a little, you know, 30-second segment on a tech tip. So we do a little bit of everything. A lot of segments that are different lengths. So when Joe is putting these together in the editing suite, he can have, if he has a, a blank minute and a half, he can find something I've done that's a minute and a half long and plug it in there. And oh, I the, see. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So you know, right. Phil, because sometimes they don't always run a, a, a set length. Right. Although I, I tend to edit my major segments to like a 14-minute length with a break in the middle for the commercials mm-hmm. at, at the seven-minute point or something like that. And that, uh, um, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time to do these, but uh, uh, frankly, we, you know, we're a short, we're a short staff. We're a sm- I mean, we're a small crew, so we, we tend to push things through pretty quick.
0: Right, And how... Um you have a whole truckload of equipment, yeah. uh, and I guess it, it shows. It shows in the show. Well, well <laughs> you, you, uh, we were talking about what you drive now. You drive a 2004 Nissan crew cab. It's a Frontier. Frontier. Mm-hmm. That's what I was looking for, and uh, that in a trailer, and you pretty much take all your gear. Well, that,
1: when you see those pictures of my truck that looks like uh, the Beverly Hillbillies, go into a film set mm-hmm. with all the gear piled on that's usually for a uh, uh, a gig like a lighting or audio or or grip gig oh I see when I'm doing things for our show it's usually pretty lightweight mm-hmm. uh, we'll you know we'll typically have just camera and tripod and maybe an a- a auxiliary light uh, depending on if I'm doing just a stand up in front of a product and I just want to punch my face up a little bit with light but uh, when we do something that's going to involve A nighttime scene around a campfire, for example, I take enough battery operated LED lights, which are, oh, they're a godsend. They're the best thing that's ever happened for this kind of work. Because I get two and a half or three hours out of a light charge and that's plenty of time. But I I take extra lighting gear if I'm going if I know I'm gonna be shooting at night and I need to light up the campfire and the R V and maybe the trees in the background a little bit. You know, it, it's it varies, but it's never it's never quite as much as those pictures you see with all that stuff piled on there. Right. Now, that's that's that's, that's well, way you gotta... that's way too much work.
0: <laughs> no kidding. So you um did you no, Joe, and he hired you to do the show, or you guys kind of uh, started it
1: together, or no, I, you... I no, I saw a press release he put oh, out. Okay. Joe had a show for about ten years called Boating Today TV, mm-hmm. and it was all about the boating industry, everything from lightweight uh, inflatable, you know, uh, uh, professional grade inflatable canoe, powered boats, or, or not canoe, but raft type inflatable boats, all the way up to. Uh, the offshore racing boats. I think they call them cigarette boats sometimes. Oh, right. uh, right. Or or giant houseboats. I mean, they they covered pretty much everything to do with boating. And it was the same kind of show. You know, enthusiasts, uh, events. uh, They spent a lot of time down at the uh, British Virgin Islands in the Caribbean because they had quite a few uh, boating get-togethers, regattas or whatever they call them down there. Mm -hmm. And, that show pretty much went away with the recession back around 2006 or seven. Oh, I mean, the, you know, when people stopped spending money due to a recession, mm-hmm. first thing to go was boats, then motorcycles, then RVs. And the boat industry took a huge tank back then, and he lost all of his advertisers and sponsors, so the show had to shut down. And then a little bit later, he decided to give it a try in the RV business, because RVs were able to rebound a little more quickly. So he put a press release out that he was doing this show. I contacted him about that, and, and as they say, the rest is history. The rest is history, and yeah, it's and grown. I, it's I, grown. Mean, I wrote to him, and I said I've been in the industry a long time, and I could you know provide the scripting and so on. Oh, okay. And like I say, then one thing led to another, and here I am. And so, did you live in Oregon at that time or California? I was up here. You yeah. were up here. Yeah. So
0: what brought you back uh, to Eugene? Uh,
1: specifically, I met and married a very wonderful lady named Pam, who uh, uh, I was living in Ventura, California at the time, mm-hmm. which is where my magazine headquarter office was. And I met Pam and she was living in Eugene, which was really handy. And uh one thing led to another, I moved back up here and married her eventually. But uh okay, uh, that'll do uh, it. yeah, that'll do it. So <laughs> I, I mean I grew up in Oregon City in the Portland and Portland areas, so this is close enough. You know, as okay. long as I'm back in Oregon, right. that was what counted. Oh, okay. And after wandering around to Southern California, Indiana, back to Southern California for uh I was gone about twenty one years roughly. Um and now that I'm back, I don't think anything would dynamite me out of here. <laughs> this is it. This is this, this is, is a good yeah. spot. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you have a parrot to ca- take care of. It's yes. a parrot, right? Yeah, Barlow, yeah. Barlow. Yeah. How old's Barlow?
1: About uh, uh, 18 or 19 years old. I'm asking so these
0: questions for my girlfriend now. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> okay. He's he's uh, he's fairly young still. Uh-huh. Yeah, he'll be yeah like, that is young. Yeah, he'll, he'll live to 60s or 70s. Right. He, he will... When I'm laying there in my coffin or my box of ash, as the case may be, um, he'll be, she will be on a perch. You know, okay, who's next? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well,
0: yeah, I understand people are given their parrots in their wills and you know finding a place for them. Well, that's that's still
1: a challenge. We we have a will, a certain amount of money allotted in the will for her care, but uh, none of my family members are bird people. Oh. Uh, I do. We do have a shop down here in Eugene that we work through where Barlow is baby babysits when we're gone on a trip. Um, but uh, we don't have a an immediate successor to take her uh, yet. Well, having uh, someone to babysit
0: her is extremely helpful.
1: Yeah. Well, you, Co- Colleen's yeah. bird shop down on River Road, and uh, she does bird sitting and breeding of. You know, and, and bird supplies and all that. So we, we take her down to Aunt Carlene's place, and she hangs out there for a few days and learns new things to say from the her buddies in the cages next to her, and uh, it's kind of fun. You know, it's it's, it's a nice, it's, it's a good spot for. her. We trust her down there. Oh, that's nice.
0: Yeah, that's great to have the place like that. We have a pet bird, but it doesn't know it doesn't uh, have a cage. Hmm. We have a a a, a scrub jay. Oh, okay. That Heidi started feeding, and so. Oh yeah, outside, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I've seen those on uh, the, you, pic- the you, pictures and stuff. Yeah, sets,
0: yeah. He's uh, comes here all the time now, and wants to get on our shoulder and our arm, and all these different things. So, eight seasons. It seems like the show is really kind of exploding.
1: Yeah, it is. I, we, we have made. Uh, recently, tremendous prog- process, progress in our distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we are a syndicated show, we don't run on any one channel like Discovery, You know, which would make it awfully easy to tell anyone in the country, watch us on Discovery. But because we're syndicated, we're carried by a variety of outlets. Here in Eugene, for example, it's Fox Channel 4, usually at noon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And elsewhere in the country, we'll have a distributor on the East Coast, like Cox Sports, that handles a number of East Coast states or will have individual stations uh, in different places like up in Seattle. But uh, So it's a variety of, of outlets. Um, and because of the growing importance of streaming media, we are now also getting hooked up with streaming media. And we have a uh, uh, media and promotion lady uh, named Michelle who... Michelle Fontaine, who is our uh, social media lady, and she's the one who has gotten us hooked up with Roku. Oh, yeah. So we're okay. on a Roku channel. Right. We are now also on one of the Amazon streaming services. And initially, uh, we, had, we had had about 42 million households that we reached. Nationwide. Wow! Uh, I don't know how many are watching a lot, but that's how many we. That's that's the reach with (laughs) all the the distributors. Uh Now Roku has uh, 27 million subscribers, and Apple is somewhere around 30 some, I believe, million subscribers. And we are. I'm not Apple, but Amazon. Amazon. But but next, we are also working on getting on Apple, and on, on Apple TV. Right, and so uh, you can do that? You can be on Amazon
0: and Apple? Oh, yeah. They'll, yeah. Let, you, they'll let you do that?
1: Apparently. I've <laughs> that I I never uh, been sure about that. Uh, well, I don't either. I Michelle is our expert and <laughs> all those things. She knows all of it. yeah. And so she handles it and tells us, hey, here's the latest news of what we're doing, mm-hmm. which is great.
0: Well, and you um, also have a decent-sized YouTube channel. I mean, that is... Uh, that's hard a hard thing to accomplish, well, but, you know, we
1: yeah we have YouTube and we are also on Vimeo uh, with some of our material mm-hmm. and I, I think it's I think we've put it up in both places if I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh, yeah, from what I understand, YouTube bought Vimeo because they didn't like the competition, but I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, i about I that. don't know well, a, a yeah. while
1: back, um, Well,
0: it would be Google, wouldn't it
1: well, a while back, uh, you know, when our show started eight years ago, um we had. Uh, there were some choices made about music that was used on our show. And we used uh, royalty-free, I mean, we used music that we bought mm-hmm. for, you know, on a, on a royalty basis, whatever. And um, apparently the company that supplied that music then decided to, uh, uh, was, was purchased by another company, and the other company said, oh, wait a minute, all these people that are using our music can't do that anymore unless they pay us again. Oh. and one thing led to another so oh. so we lost a bunch of our material that was going to that was on youtube and we Re-edited it with different music, or shifted it over to Vimeo, and now everything is fine. So oh,
0: I see. It, oh, it, what a pain in the butt, though. It was, man. It was. But, so the oh, I guess that. Lost, but, that the the music wasn't strong enough.
1: But the music that we're using now is uh, is all uh, uh, completely. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's all good stuff. You know, we we have access to it, and it's not going to be any questions about royalties. So at least that's one thing we won't have to worry about. And of all the mistakes that I can make when I'm shooting things. The last thing I want to worry about is the music down at the other end. Well,
0: yeah, and I guess you don't really have to. Yeah. You. you st- yeah. So you've been doing RVing, though. You said you started uh, camping with your dad in a tent Well, uh, when you were a kid. Well, our then... family
1: had a tent, and then they uh-huh. bought an old, uh, um, I think it was a 1958 Red Dale or Red Ball trailer, a little canned ham, as they were called, like 15 feet long. Mm-hmm. We went camping with our family with three kids and my mom and dad. And You know, why that many people don't kill each other in a space that small, I don't know.
0: Well, all we had was tents and we survived.
1: But (laughs) but we we, uh, used that trailer quite a bit. So I guess that was my official introduction to the RVing community. Mm -hmm. And then after that, nothing really happened until... Uh, October of 1985 when I was hired by uh, T.L. Enterprises, which published Trailer Life Magazine and Motorhome Magazine. And that's when I was dumped into it more or less, you know, uh, feet first, you know, jump right in and get started. So uh, oh, okay, um, that, was, uh, uh, that was the beginning of it. And so it's been most of my automotive journalism has been about RVs since then, you know, as an area of expertise. And so, do you own an RV? Not yet.
0: Not yet, but you. Uh, so you, but you take them out to try them out sometimes, right? Uh, well, a right? big,
1: yeah, a big part of my job at the magazines was road testing and writing about and photographing new RVs. So every month, I would be out in at least one, sometimes two. Quite often, it was a trailer product for Trailer Life and a motorhome for for Motorhome Magazine. Uh, sometimes I would take, you know, one each out. Per month mm-hmm. and that went on for the 18 years that i was on staff there wow um, and then wow. uh after that i came up back up to oregon and i was a freelance with i mean i was a, a field staffer with them for a while and now mm-hmm. i'm strictly freelance with them but uh um, that as a result i've been in uh just about every kind of an rv from a fold-down tent trailer to a 42-foot marathon executive coach oh, wow! Uh, or, or monaco executive coach uh-huh. and uh so uh, it, it it has provided a huge um, background, I guess, or a depth of experience along those lines.
0: Yeah, and uh, and would you take? I mean, would you take an RV out for an overnight, or you just?
1: Oh oh yeah yeah yeah. You th- got to this, take this, them out this is film them. Going out, shooting uh, the photos, going out and you know uh, uh, living in them for a few days oh, on, okay. on an adventure sometime, and uh-huh. occasionally I would. Uh, Uh, be able to, if I was going on a family vacation, I could arrange for a longer loan period, uh, you know, over a week or so. And Mm -hmm. uh, the best, the best trip that I ever did back then was going up to Alaska because, you know, driving to Alaska is the last great ultimate adventure for a lot of RVers. And we drove from Elkhart, Indiana to Seattle and then up the Alaska highway to Anchorage and thereabouts. And, uh, uh, that was 1997 when Ford was introducing the Expedition model. It was their first time that they had a full-size SUV like that. Oh wow! So we towed a trailer, a Holiday Rambler uh-huh. with twin beds. Thanks a lot <laughs> <for> <laughs> all the way up there to Alaska, um, and um, and that was a, a quite a lengthy trip. But that, but that's you know the the kind of fun things that that have been possible with this job. Oh and yeah. I, I've been extremely blessed in that. Um, I'm one of those people that can get up on a Monday morning and be going to work and be really glad that I'm doing it. I've never reg- once regretted getting up in the morning to go to work or to get busy with projects you know and that's not a lot of people can say that unfortunately. there's a lot it's of people for very whom, true for whom jobs are. Just jobs.
0: Just, yeah, know. I just heard a kind of a scary st- statistic, but it reminded me of myself that uh, only something like thirteen percent of people like their job. Wow! And yeah, in America. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me because mm. I know very few people that like their job, and um, it's kind of the fun of having a podcast. You can find those people and mm. and you know talk to them and yeah, see well, it, see what that experience is, is like. And I mean, you it's you've been in the same. Career for your entire career, and so that's been you know you yeah. very lucky. But yeah. you also work very hard. I know that. Well, I've worked it, with you.
1: Uh, it's uh, well, it, it's that it's it, it's hard work when you're when you're involved in some of the projects. that are they're really really involved. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, but even at that, uh, even when you're working like on a, a, a an independent film where you got hours of work every day and a lot of overnight shoots where you get to the location around sunset and you set up and then you're breaking things down in the morning as the sun is coming up again, days like that get a little bit, a uh, little bit tough sometimes. Big, yeah. But the, the the fun thing is the the one project I did, uh, a film called uh, Bad Exorcists. Uh, I was the oldest guy on the crew by 20 years. Oh, wow. Uh, the next, I was 60 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. The next oldest guy was the sound guy who turned 40 during it. And the rest of them were basically uh, college or college graduate and twenties, you know, kind of age people, and at the end of a long night like that, when I would feel a little bit dragging, the young guys were also dragging. So it wasn't just the old guys. Oh, guy. so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That that made me feel good. Okay, well we're <laughs> that, all we in the same lot. <laughs> we're in the same boat. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm often the uh, oldest person on a on a set when I show up. And mm. It's just the, the nature of the industry. Yeah. But, yeah. I well, can't, that, can't couple, let it bother me too some, much.
1: Some of the actors that we had coming and going for a day or two on there would would show up and they'd be older guys and they'd come over and talk to me and so they'd say, "Well, I'm glad I'm not the only gray here <laughs> on the set here." <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why it's good to do plays occasionally because. Uh, then there's some older people, hmm. at least hmm. my age, yeah, involved, at least. Um, so I'll try and do that again one day. So a uh, side note for anyone who does want to start a podcast, I'll do my little how to make a podcast bit. Um it's a good idea to to uh, get guests like Jeff if you can, because Jeff is an experienced broadcaster, and he does this all day long. And he's answered about three of my questions without me having to ask them at all. So it's really handy. <laughs> no, that's, that's what I want. This is, asking questions is boring. Mm-hmm. Having a conversation, that's a, that's a lot more interesting. So back to, to to where I was, which I have no idea where I was. Uh, well, you, the, you had, oh, I was. We were actually asking. You told me one of your favorite ships w- was Alaska, and what uh, have, is there any other ones that really stand out, or, or just recent trips you've done that have been really amazing?
1: Well, the uh, we really, as much as I enjoy and love Oregon and the Northwest, Michigan's Upper Peninsula is also very dear to our hearts, mm-hmm. um, and because Elkhart, Indiana, is right down on the El- Michigan-Indiana border, uh, roughly center of the state. Um, when we go back for uh, any kind of a business trip to Elkhart, because it's Detroit of the RV business, uh, we sometimes will take uh, get a loaner vehicle, like a small motorhome, and make a trip to the UP. And we, we love going to the Upper Peninsula. The people, the food, the, the scenery, everything up there is wonderful. So we get up there any chance we get. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's other uh, occasional trips, like uh, driving down to Death Valley a few years ago, uh, following one of these wet years when they have the, the, the flower blooms in, in the oh, spring. Oh, right. Now and then, that happens in a moment, monumental way. Uh-huh. And we went down there on one of those trips, for example. And springtime in Death Valley when it's still 98 degrees at 11 o'clock at night when you're sitting out there in the lawn chair and the, the warm bl- breeze is blowing and you Okay, when are things gonna cool down again? (laughs) Oh yeah, we walk over to the bar and then they cool down. But (laughs) that's about it. Anyway, uh, so you know, Death Valley. I mean, anything here in the Northwest has been great. Uh, Mm -hmm. We do uh, trips down to uh, Pam has family in Sacramento, so we go there, and then we go up to the Sierra Mountains from there. Um, Generally speaking, it it, you know they're they're all great adventures. Or Maine, we did a trip up to Maine back in two thousand and five, driving a hybrid. Dodge uh, Chrysler Aspen, which is their Durango full-size vehicle, and uh-huh. uh, we drove up, drove up there, and we had a few extra days to go up and hang around near Mount Katahdin, and watch the snapping turtles laying eggs in a in a grassy spot next to a river, and uh, you know just all the cool things, and watching the professional photographers shooting a uh, uh, pileated woodpecker uh, coming to feed its babies in a nest in a tree that was right next to a gas station and bait shop. Oh, cool. And, had a, they had a big crowd of all these guys with the vests and the big cameras on tripods, and, and I, I, you know, they're right next to a parking lot at the gas station. He said, well, what are these outdoor, ruggedy sort of guys looking at? And I went, and they said, well, there's a hole up there with three babies in it, and we're waiting for the mother to come back to feed them. And they'd been out tromping in the woods and couldn't find what they wanted, but here it is next to the gas station. But there it is right by yeah. <laughs> the gas station. So, you know, that's typically <laughs> Maine, you know, typical Maine stuff. Uh-huh. But, uh just anywhere oh, in the country. Funny. I mean, there's so many great things to see and do in this country alone. Uh, yeah, that that you don't have to go overseas for every adventure. Yeah, you know, there's a lot you can do here. And um,
0: speaking of overseas, I understand. I think I've seen several of uh, trips you've taken to Hawaii.
1: Well, that's you're, you're, well. We have family over there. Oh, you have uh, family over yeah, there. Okay, because yeah, I uh,
0: almost consider that overseas when I go well, there. It, it's it's, well,
1: it's a very different place. Typically, when we go on a trip like that, I attempt to work RV matters into what we're doing there. So I ah, cont- okay. I, I looked around. We were on the Big Island, where I have a family member who mm-hmm. last summer was standing out by her mailbox taking pictures of the lava from that eruption flowing about a half mile from the house down to the sea. Oh, so, so she lives
0: on the... on, on the, the, uh, the big uh, island the, in
1: the uh, area called Pahoa. Pahoa, yeah. She lives in the... Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. Wow, and, that uh, was amazing. But I, and I, scary for some... Yeah, for, for, it was. Yeah. She
1: she kept bags packed by the door. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, um, I, I looked around to see what RV stuff goes on in Hawaii. And on the big island, there's none. I mean, oh. there are campgrounds for people who backpack or something, but there's there is, there is no RVs, RV parks, anything like that. Uh, so I, I didn't realize that. I look, thought people RVed on all on, the Up islands. on Maui and Kauai, there uh-huh. are, 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 are little motorhome rentals and such up there, but not on the big island, uh, which was is okay. That meant I got to leave the camera at home. It may- but, <laughs> but while we were there, just in case any RVers are visiting, we went and shot a feature at a uh, very small brewery mm-hmm. called uh, Mahana Nui Brewery. Uh, that was there in, in uh, Hilo. In Hilo, and so uh-huh. we did a little destination. Here's a cool place to stop if you happen to be visiting, and they put that on the air. So, oh, that's you know, okay. I got, so I got you little, got got some working, little something out of the yeah. trip, yeah.
0: The Big Island is uh, one of our favorite places. We have dreams of, of moving there one day. But oh, boy. As you might know, it's
1: Well, there's some really cheap, cheap real estate right now, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's covered by about I've 20 feet of uh, hardened lava.
0: Well, there's quite a bit right next to it as well. The yeah. People are ready to sell their houses all of a sudden. I don't quite understand it. Well, it stopped erupting. Yeah. What's the problem?
1: Yeah, it stopped erupting today <laughs> or, you know, last, last summer. But uh, Last yeah. summer,
0: which was uh, very interesting. <laughs> Heidi and I watched it with... Um, we were enthusiastically watched it day and night. Um, all kinds of people putting, you know, their yeah. their own videos up. And Ken
1: Boyer was yeah. one of the guys in Hilo who, or, or in in he lived in Volcano, mm-hmm. the town of Volcano, which mm-hmm. is right near the the, vol- the volcano itself. And he was out there every day shooting stuff, right, uh, and doing live feeds. And I mean, it it started with him down in the uh, uh, Leilani Estates saying, "Folks, there's a giant crack in the road here." And we've got sulfur smell coming out of this crack in the road. And this is happening right now. And from there, it, it progressed. It le- yeah, yeah, one thing led to another. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back over there again to visit the area and and see what it's like, mm-hmm. I guess. And Luckily, maybe take a camera. The, yeah, the, the lava <laughs> missed Uncle Roberts, which is good. Uncle Roberts is a, uh, a venue... Uh, down on the coast, that is a uh, uh, music and kind of like a Saturday market here. Oh, okay. Only it's a guy's like private property, and uh, oh. and it's it is a fantastic place to visit. It's like nothing else that I've been to anywhere else. You know, mm-hmm. music and food and vendors and all that good stuff, and it's it's a great place to visit. I mean, it, it's it's a real fun part of the Pahoa experience, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I really am dying to get back over there because I want to see... I mean, the island is completely different Mm -hmm. from the last time. We were there over two years ago. And it's the first time in... (sighs) what is it, 20, 30 years or something that there's been no eruption happening on, on from that volcano?
1: Well, yeah. It started it, in it,
0: 84, I think it, it was. It got
1: pretty quiet right now. Yeah, yeah. so
0: right now, it's technically not erupting. No, no lava's coming out of the ground. And no. And it's not done that for a long, long time. But
1: so, um, it's hard to say when that's going to happen Oh, yeah, it it happen well, again. it could
0: have yeah. happened while I'm doing the podcast, yeah. Yeah, it, well, it's... <laughs> you it's, it's never uh, know.
1: And, boy, the people that live there... Uh, uh, just there. buying the insurance that they need now. I mean, general household insurance, let alone fire and lava insurance, is is like it's like buying earthquake insurance when you live in Ridgecrest, California. You,
0: right, right. I actually yeah. I actually heard soon after the eruption that you could not insure a house, but maybe they meant that might have just meant new homes trying to build. Well, a new Well, Lloyd's of London will point. insure
1: anything for you. If no, you I have guess a, that's true. A large enough checkbook. <laughs> if you, and, and yeah. they do, they are the ones that are carrying a lot of the. Uh, um, uh, Hawaii re- eruption related insurance for people for residences. Oh, but, interesting! But, wow, well, yeah,
0: yeah, but, that's a pretty big, pretty big risk. Yes, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. big risk. I mean, you would think someone would have the wherewithal to start a, mo- a um, RV park there because then you could just get well, hit, but, I, but but you there could are just no RVs off. there. Uh, but there, the thing <laughs> is,
1: there are no RVs. Well, actually, there are right. some RVs over in Kona, and they're owned by a company that rents them out to movie production companies. But they're, oh, but they're not privately owned because uh-huh. i i mean I've, I've never been someplace where i've driven all around the island and we've driven all over the place over there we've been there twice now and you don't see any rvs at all on the road you know and that's i never real, thought about th- that's it that's really unusual it's
0: very th- unusual do you, is there a reason for it like is there a regulation about them or do people just I don't think so. It just huh. never happened. It just doesn't know?
1: happen. Yeah. Um, That's
0: because no. I know there's a ton of camping. I mean, I, there's actually a camping community that people kind of live at camp, yeah. you know, yeah. skip, come around to campgrounds. Yeah. So I always assumed they were in their yeah. RVs, Well, but I guess not. Well,
1: for me, it's kind of nice, because it means I can go someplace where I don't have to be thinking about doing something for the show. Right. I can just right. relax and sit on the, on the uh, uh, lanai and listen to those little... Um, I don't know what they excuse me call those frogs Kikui? What? Kikui I think it is Kikui okay. or so, some, some, I think it's Kikui frogs something like Kukui. that yeah yeah well you sit there and, this thing, the and these things and these things are going on and on and it's it's kind of nice you know it's not a bad way to go, <laughs> because will go people yeah. are like oh the frogs are terrible and I think no, it's kind of nice. Yeah, I it's, go to sleep listening, is, the window open, listening yeah. to them, and sit out on the lanai. They they don't prevent people from having conversations or listening to music. They're just right. background. They're just this background.
0: I mean, and people get apps for their phone with the with yeah. those kind of sounds.
1: Yeah, so I, they can I, fall asleep. I, I, <laughs> I still have a I still have a video someplace on my phone that I have recorded. I just turn the phone on for a minute or two, listening uh-huh. to them just, just yeah. to listen to that once in a while and have a cold beer and listen to the frogs and think yeah i remember i was sitting on the deck there
0: oh that's a nice way to yeah, yeah nice yeah. way to bring you back absolutely yeah. and when so do you do any uh water sports do you snorkel or get on a board or anything like that um
1: over there we snorkel over there yeah. i mean yeah 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 because no that, not here. I, I don't i don't do the stand-up <laughs> paddle board thing or or, or uh-huh. surfboards. i don't I don't get along well with limited friction surface sports, oh, uh, okay. I okay. Mean, I've i never done any water any water skiing or snow skiing or roller roller mm-hmm. you know, roller skating, ice skating. I tried ice skating once, and it was a disaster, plus my smart ass niece was at the other end of the ice skating wink with a camera on a video camera on a tripod, having a huge oh. laugh over me sprawling <laughs> around out there. Um, I like ice skating. I've
0: never, uh, snow skiing I've never done for two reasons. One, it always seemed expensive, although mm. it's not too bad. But also, I've always been just convinced that I'd kill myself because I really like speed. Well, so I, oh, I just thought, okay. uh, there's no way I'm going to pull back. And, I have avoided you
1: know. any broken bones so far in my life. At oh, my that's age. amazing. Well, I, I just recently wow. had a little minor operation on my face to take out a little spot and they put nine stitches in there. And when I told the the gal, she said, I, "I'm guessing you know what to do with stitches." And I said, "No, this is the first time that I've ever had stitches at 65 years old." Uh-huh. And she stopped what she was doing and looked at me. She says, "Really? Nothing?" She said, "What? Did your did your mom keep you locked up in a padded room when you were a little boy?" No, I just was lucky, I guess. Me too. So, I've never had stitches. So no stitches, I mean, but but, but that's never it, – it's like the things that, that I can add to my list of things I've done since I was 65 years old. <laughs> You've got stitches. And I never um, – <laughs> one of the things that I will not be doing is any of the, you know, the the, the limited friction surface things. Right. Like, and right. We, we, we tried taking uh, – Stand up paddleboard classes, for example. And, okay. Um, Didn't work. Well, Pam jumps up on the darn thing and takes off, and she does great, uh-huh. uh, as uh, as do other friends of ours. But but I guess partly it's my height, maybe. But I just can't get the I can't get the balance thing going. So as long as if I can sit down on a kayak, that's fine. Yeah, Cause it's, cause can, that's a lot like, easier. Kayaking's
0: yeah. nice too. Yeah. I I've always wanted a paddleboard, but I've been a cheapskate about it. And basically, yeah. I, I look at the hourly. Hourly fee, and I think really well. I like snorkeling. I, well, I got my snorkel here, <laughs> here
1: in Eugene. the The outdoor recreation area offers uh, classes that are really inexpensive. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that would be the, the way to go. Yeah, they have yeah paddleboarding and snor- uh, 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 kayaking and different types uh-huh. of classes, and that's where we tried taking the classes and oh, okay. and I we did it there and another place too. And uh, I uh, no, I I, can't, I I just can't do it. They're it's funny. I
0: don't even think about. Uh, Paddleboarding here because there's no turtles to look at. No, okay. so I, I don't no. know. I just never <laughs> think about it. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm sure it would be fun here too. Yeah. it would be yeah. absolutely fun. And yeah. yeah, it's some I don't get in the ocean in Oregon because that is just far too cold. That's well, one of the reasons you I don't love mind freezing. Yeah, yeah, if you don't mind or wearing a wetsuit. Yeah. So I mean, I would like to learn to dive, and I, I would learn to dive in Oregon, be, and just because I've heard that. If you learn here, you can dive anywhere because this mm-hmm. is a challenging ocean. Okay, yeah. Um, but the whole reason we love Hawaii is that you can get in warm salt water. I mean, yeah. even in Southern California, it's it's still 60 degrees, which is mm-hmm. awfully cold. Yeah. But over there, it's, I mean, to uh, me, that's the paradise is to be able to float around the, and look at fish and yeah. have
1: turtles come sniff you. And The, the you deepest know. I've ever been in the Pacific Ocean is about not quite knee deep. Or, you uh, yeah. know, when you're out on a camping trip and you have a, 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 a milk crate full of dirty dishes and you walk out there not quite knee-deep in the water and you use the and sand to kind up. of clean the dishes and rinse them off <laughs> and you carry them back. And by the time you're out there for 15, 20 minutes, that's enough and your feet that's are frozen enough. and you can't feel your legs anymore. And and then you see just down the beach the kids out there you know, running out, splashing, swimming, oh, yeah. carrying on yep. They must not have any nerves Well, I, and I honestly,
0: know. when I was a kid I jumped in a few times I, I didn't yeah. spend a lot of time in the ocean But I would oh. I would jump in and try and body surf and stuff And I don't remember even thinking about it being cold yeah. Because I don't I don't think I got cold till I was over twenty. Well, I, <laughs> I just I don't, don't
1: remember I don't, that. I don't think we're smart enough <laughs> at that age to understand what it means. I think that's a but, big but, part but of it—not smart,
0: but also I was very thin and really high energy, yeah. so you know, that cold just helped. didn't enter into it. Yeah. So, but yeah, now I get cold much much easier. Yeah. Much. you right. Yeah,
1: Hawaii. You you know you go out there and it's like so. A warm, you mean this side bathtub. of the
0: Pacific Ocean?
1: Yeah. You've yeah.
0: gotten in the Pacific Ocean in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Same yeah. ocean. Oh, yeah. sure, yeah. Okay. But
1: it's just here on the Oregon coast. Oh, oh boy. No, wow. it's,
0: it's nuts. And I'm really... Um, it's interesting because occasionally you hear a story about how shark attacks are on the rise uh, on the Oregon, Washington, Oregon coast. And it's only because more and more people are surfing on the Washington Oregon Mm -hmm. coast. It's not like there's more sharks. Yeah. They just have something to accidentally bite once in a while. There's more bait. There's more bait. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And that always amazes me that people, I get it because the waves here must be amazing if you're a surfer. I've always always thought that the way, you know, when I lived in Southern California, I couldn't understand how this was a surf area. Mm. I was like, you don't have any waves here. But, Why is this such a big surf place? You well, know, you
1: you got to find but, those spots yeah. along the Malibu coast, and there's a couple of places between Ventura and Santa Barbara right. that are uh, pretty good. You that know where they have waves. where they have the breaks or whatever it is they call. It. I'm not a surfer, uh-huh. so I don't know the terminology. But but there are places where you see quite a few guys lining up out there. But they're not uh, giant waves. They're uh, not. But, yeah. But for surfers, they're just what they want apparently.
0: Well, that I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Um so oh is there anywhere that you do that you still want to go as far as RVing or, or or have you checked everything off your bucket list in Oh no I don't we, know, well or, uh,
1: locally we uh we are going to be spending more time back in uh, the Eastern Oregon area uh Christmas Valley or uh, the Blue Mountains and so on, because we love traveling that part of Oregon. That's beautiful uh, area. And yeah. I I like shooting video back in places like Christmas Valley or east near Bend in that area, because mm-hmm. people don't expect Oregon to look like that. Right. You know, keeping it's, in mind that yeah. we have a national show that goes everywhere, and they see here's you know here here we're out with the sagebrush and the obsidian mountain and and pine trees and whatnot and. And this is Oregon. This is just as much a part of Oregon as the west, the wet side of the hills. Uh, that's it's actually
0: a, more. Yeah. Well, right? m- more two thirds desert
1: by by space. And, yeah. By by square foot, square miles. Yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, by area. But Oregon, um, uh, we want to get up to uh, back up to the Olympic Peninsula, which is a great place to go. Mm-hmm. Places up in Canada that I've I've been on business trips, but I just haven't spent much time there. And uh, we are. Uh, in the process of purchasing, our, you asked if we owned an RV earlier, and I was saying oh, right. that I didn't have to because of all the road testing. Mm-hmm. We are looking at buying one that's a four-wheel pop-up camper, which is a lightweight truck camper that folds down to a low profile. So it's fun and easy to drive, and you get to the destination, the top pops up easily, and you got plenty of room inside. And that was going to be our uh, our first owned RV. But that's a nice one because it fits on a truck, and it's easy to just— load a little bit of uh, con- perishables in there and take off for the weekend. And or take, longer. Oh,
0: yeah, that's interesting because I always thought owning a big RV would be a lot of work yeah. and that makes sense to me to have a, a much smaller unit that's easy to do. We have neighbors that aren't home today because they, that have a pretty big trailer. But I believe they're retired and they spend a lot. They leave for, you know, weeks, mm. months at a time and, and just yeah. live in their trailer somewhere. That, that
1: is a great that, – well, that, that's a great way really to nice. do it. Yeah. 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 It's like that trip to Alaska was uh, – I think we left uh, Oregon on – or left Indiana on June uh, 20, 20th, 20th or 21st, and we arrived in Anchorage on July 4th. And and that was the longest consecutive period of time that I'd ever spent in any one RV. But but it's kind of it gives you a taste of what it's like to be a full timer, for example. Right. Because you just right. You know, we would drive until we found a cool place to stop, and then we knew we had a a deadline of the fourth or the fifth up there uh, because of an, a media event we had that we were attending. But otherwise, yeah, you just you know you you just tow that thing along until you find a cool looking campground and. Uh, hopefully, it's one that doesn't have too many mosquitoes up there. Which uh, everything that anybody has ever heard about mosquitoes and bugs in in Alaska and the Yukon is absolutely true. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay. it, or worse, <laughs> or worse. <laughs> but this this little one, you know, it, it has all the features of a big RV, but it's just it's smaller and a little bit easier to maintain and take care of. So that's going to be uh, you know the next big project, so to speak.
0: That's always yeah. That's always been seems like the setback for, in my mind is had the uh, the amount of care that a lot of the that a lot of RVs yeah. can, can well, take. Well, they're, they take are a bit take, like a boat.
1: Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. But they 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 take some maintenance and so on. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's kind of like having a hot tub. Uh, before I owned a hot tub, I had this mental image of constantly doing chemicals and water changes and just. Filters and constant effort, and uh-huh. it really isn't bad. No, it, it's it, wonderful. It's nowhere near as bad as as I would have imagined. And the value of having that thing out there uh, to jump in in the evening before going to bed and just relaxing is has been uh, tremendously therapeutic and good for us.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. pretty incredible. We don't have one here, but we had we lived in a rental in Los Angeles, and when we moved there, the there was a, a built-in hot tub. It was actually on the back porch in the ground uh, so it was very old mm-hmm. and, the, and it was empty mm-hmm. no one had touched it and so we we just assumed it didn't work so it sat there for a while and then one day we went well, what, we, what happens if we fill it up with the water um, mm-hmm. I was living with a couple other bandmates and so we filled it up with water turned on this giant uh, concoction that made yeah. it go it, mm-hmm. it had a whole you know enclosure that yeah. made the jets work yeah. it's not, yeah. not like the modern day ones yeah but sure enough, it worked. And mm-hmm. then um, after those roommates moved out and my girlfriend moved in, we got rid of the chlorine and we put um, bromide, bromide in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then it was heaven. Mm-hmm. Then it was heaven because mm-hmm. he, it didn't smell at all mm-hmm. and easy to take care of. Yeah. Much easier than chlorine to keep mm-hmm. a balance. So yeah, yeah, nothing like having a hot tub. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it's 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 one of the best investments in your uh health and well-being that you can possibly make in a home i think and it certainly worked out that way for us
0: yeah that's nice that's nice my uh brother-in-law is having his hot tub re-roofed so mm. that, i mean he had a whole house but yeah. they did the hot tub as well he has one that he's in bellingham so he has a little uh, it's like a gazebo over the hot tub.
1: Yeah, when we yeah. when we our house was built in '89, and when we went had to replace the rear deck because it was rotting away. Mm-hmm. Plus, it was really poorly designed. I, I was standing out there and bouncing up and down on the half-rotten boards. We replaced the deck, and were able to buy a used hot tub at a at a screaming deal at the time. And so we built the, the both the the deck for the deck and the hot tub, and I've got roofs over both both of them, so you can go from the house into the hot tub without being out in the rain or the snow. Without being out. Oh, that's nice. Well, I know there are people who say, oh, I want to have my hot tub out in the open air because I want to feel the rain on my face. Fine. You can feel the rain on your face. I can see the rain about two feet away near the edge (laughs) of the roof. And uh, we're up in the hills, in the South Hills Mm -hmm. area. And uh, when the occasions when we do have snow, uh, I take little uh, pocket flashlights and I set the flashlights out on the ground, pointing straight up, leaning up against a rock or something. So when the when the snow is falling, the lights are shining straight up. They're not lighting anything up except the snowflakes coming down. So we can sit there in the hot tub and look out there and watch this snow falling, and it's uh, uh, it, it, it's nice. But, it's- but 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 the roof is mandatory in my is, opinion oh i see it anyway. is it's
0: paradise yeah. uh sitting out in the snow yeah. in the hot tub i mean yeah. i do like sitting without a roof and having the snow fall you fall on you while it's hot but i totally understand having yeah. a roof it's yeah. way less maintenance yeah it's way well less plus you know we have plus the, it's
1: yeah we have the towels over here right and right where do those get wet when you got no roof i when, mean it yeah you know it just it just works out it's well for us much. anyway yeah and it's right next to the door to our lower downstairs guest bedroom so when, when company stays over, you know we say, Oh, and by the way, you open the door here here's the hot tub, so
0: Oh that's nice. Handy. Yeah. You always get a lot of guests. Yeah. Well, <laughs>
1: occasionally. <laughs>
0: I would think. All right. Well, you know, I think I'm gonna wrap it up now. We're almost oh yeah. We've been talking for a little bit. Mm. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I Well, it's been fun. Uh, good. Good. Thank it, you for having me. You're welcome. This is uh this has been a great conversation and uh As my podcast grows, I'll get better and better at it. But, yeah, it's uh, been really great having you. This has been uh, Jeff Johnston on Were You Still Talking? And uh, we will be back soon, hopefully, with someone who has hiked half of the Pacific Coast Trail. All right. Thank you for listening, and be good to each other.